It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Better Faster Podcast. I'm Josh Jeffrey here with Dr. Brandon Vaughn. And today we've got a great episode for you talking about uh, a topic that's you know somewhat seen as taboo. We're going to talk about testosterone replacement therapy or TRT, some things uh, to consider from a strength conditioning standpoint, from a therapy standpoint, uh, from a rehab standpoint. So uh, we've got some great things lined up for you. But uh, first, Brandon, uh, why don't you tell... Uh, the group a little bit about your experience with this topic. Yeah, man. So I think it's become a little more prevalent over the past five years, but really more so in the last two in my area. So I live in an area where I'm seeing a lot of guys coming in as young as age 30, but they're usually between 40 and 55 that are on prescription testosterone replacement therapy. And it gets prescribed because they generally, they feel like crap. They, they have low energy, low libido, uh, brain fog, lethargic in the gym, usual suspects. And for all intents and purposes, once they, once they get on TRT, it really does seem to make them feel better, enhances their quality of life. And I think one of the um, misconceptions is that people who aren't familiar with it think it's like taking a cycle of steroids, and that really isn't the case at all. It's, it's designed to get a person's uh, low T levels in the normal physiological ranges. And what I'm seeing is that it's usually going to be a cocktail of, a, of an injectable testosterone. I know that they prescribe a gel um, as well, but I haven't actually seen that. I think somebody was saying that you can actually pass it on to other people, like your kids and your wife and stuff like that. That sounds good. Um, so they'll get the test, and then they'll get human uh, gonadotropins, or HCG, and that's basically to keep the testes from shutting down. So makes sense that if, you are taking an exogenous testosterone. Your body is going to quit producing it, and then your testes, your organs, can actually atrophy and, and shut down. Apparently, that can actually make a man sterile. Uh, testosterone can. Um, have you heard of that? I have. Before? I have heard of that. That's kind of the same thing we were taught in school as well. So, uh, we're yeah, I guess. I guess that's like, like the male birth control. control. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, injectable tea. HCG, and then they're usually on some kind of uh, some type of aromatase uh, inhibitor. Um, and aromatase is basically the, the enzyme that converts excess testosterone into estrogen, and that's not a good thing for males. Um, if, you're, if you're not familiar with that, you get uh, gynecomastia is one big one. So think Bob from Fight Club. If you guys remember that movie. Um, and you know, I, one other big thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that. When somebody gets on TRT, it, it's a commitment. It's it's for life. You know, again, this isn't just like a cycle of steroids. Um, 
uh, from what I understand, it's hard to come off. And if you do, you might not ever be the same. So um, just kind of segue into what we're talking about today from rehab and strength conditioning standpoint. The problem I'm seeing is that I have patients come to see me, the physical therapist, and it's usually for tendinopathies. Now, before I get into this, I want to preface, uh, preface that this is purely anecdotal. This is based on my experience in the clinic and my opinion. And I can't prove that TRT caused their tendinopathy, nor to have a problem with TRT at all. In fact, I actually support it. Like Josh said, I, I wish there was less taboo surrounding it. Um, but sometimes I wish that it came with a warning label because what I think is happening is much like a beginner, meaning an untrained individual in the weight room. And I'm talking about combining TRT with training. Um, these, these guys are getting quick gains. But the difference is that a newbie, so an untrained individual, they get their quick strength gains from neurological adaptations. I think anybody with an exercise science background knows that. But the person who may have had low testosterone gets on the TRT, and they are going to get this, this sudden spike. So they're going to go from low to maybe within that normal range, maybe even a little bit higher in the beginning. So even though it's supposed to be in the normal range, and again, this is key, in the beginning, they will get quick strength and size gains. But a big portion of this actually comes from the tissue and the structural level. So what's going to happen is that the muscle belly is going to get bigger and stronger, and it's going to be able to generate more tensile force, but the connective tissue hasn't had enough time to catch up. So when I say connective tissue, I'm talking about the tendons. And then basically, in other words, what happens is that the reparative process can't keep up with the load. And the reason is because these two tissue types, meaning the belly, so that's the red part, and the tendon, the white part, they have different vascularities, different blood supplies, different metabolisms. Uh, a lot of times the belly is going to mature before the tendon does, and things can go wrong. People get tendinopathies. Sometimes, it, in worst case, they can get they can get ruptures, and um, it can be really bad injuries. And it seems to be kind of a common thing. So again, it's it's sort of I'm seeing it whenever people are first getting on these drugs, and they get that sudden spike because eventually that stuff's going to plateau, and they're going to be basically you know normal. But that's kind of that that window when I'm seeing stuff. Um, what about you, Josh? What, what's your experience been? Are you, are you seeing clients that are on hormone replacement therapy or TRT, anything like that? Yeah, I definitely think kind of what you've said is over the last few years, it seems like that has picked up a little bit. Um, it is something, too, along the lines of that open communication. It's big when it comes to working with an athlete. If you if the athlete doesn't feel like they can communicate with that, that to you, they might hold on to that. And if you as a coach do not know that's part of what's going on in their life and you're not you know, taking that into consideration when you're putting together an exercise prescription – then you're running the risk of giving them training that might lead to an injury, and then they have, then I've got to send them to you, Brandon. So um, the the big thing on my end is controlling the rate of progression. So I always encourage um, you know openness between myself and, and every one of my athletes. Uh, but I think that's something else that's that's really earned on my part. I have to show them that they can be open with me. I can't just expect it. Uh, so I think that that's a part of you know, being a great coach is kind of that emotional intelligence and developing that relationship. But when I know that's going on or that's a part of this equation, then I'm going to focus on their rate of progression, their rate of adaptation. Because as you just mentioned uh, in uh, as you were talking about it, the – uh, adaptation to the muscle belly versus the adaptations to the tendon. You know, they aren't occurring at the same rate, uh, and you run the risk of injury if that's not considered. So for me personally, I try to monitor their progression. It, it sounds almost counterintuitive where why would you want to hold your athlete back if they can do more? 
Um, but in this instance, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I'm looking to see that, okay, you know, this week they were able to do X amount of load for uh, this many repetitions, uh, this many sets of this many reps. And then the next week, you know, I, I'm looking to see what, what they're able to do next and what they're able to do next. And if they're progressing too quickly, and when I say too quickly, um, for me in a case like this, I'm trying to keep their progressions to you know, two to five percent, uh, you know, per per work, workout per week. So if they do a you know bench press on you know day one of week one, because everybody knows that Monday's International Chest Day. Um, so if they do bench <laughs> on uh, Monday of uh, of week one, and then bench week two, bench week three, bench week four, you know, I, I've got to make sure that they're that each week I'm not. I'm not increasing the load more than two to five percent for a given rep range. Um, that otherwise, I'm running the risk of even though their the the muscle tissue might be able to handle that rate of adaptation, uh, we know that the tendon cannot. So for me, I, I'm just on my end. It, it's almost like reining them in a little bit because, like you said, they're going to feel really good, and that's one reason I'm usually for this as well because you know I'll have some clients that will come and tell me that they're teasing the you know double digits. And, and they're, uh, you know, and they're wondering why they're feeling beat down. And we've, mm. we've really focused on all these other lifestyle factors, but you know, sometimes that this is a necessary thing, you know, obviously you want to try to focus on, you know, lifestyle alterations if possible. Uh, but you know, even just getting them back up to normal and that, you know, 3000 or 300 to a thousand ish range, uh, whatever their physician thinks is necessary. Um, that can be make you know, a huge difference in their, uh, their training and also just their overall energy levels and how they feel. So I got to make sure that that, that it, they don't go too far or too hard. Um, mm-hmm. Double digits, man. That's, that's, that sounds awful. Yeah, why why, why do you think it happens in the first place? Um, honestly, I think our, uh, honestly, I think our Western lifestyle probably contributes to it, man. Uh, I think from a, and we're chronically, you know, overtired, you know, we don't sleep enough in general. Again, this is just a general observation not sleeping enough, not eating enough. Honestly, most of my athletes come to me, they're yeah. very underfed for the training that they're doing. Um, not eating enough, not eating the right kinds of things. Uh, if they have alcohol consumption uh, you know, as part of their life, that can play a role. Um, the, you know, I get people whose you know, circadian rhythms are, are crazy. You know, they'll, they're night owls and, and then also not sleeping enough anyway because they got to get up and go to work. Uh, and over time, I think it just snowballs. Uh, that, right. that that's kind of my my experience with it is I, you can usually a lot of times if you can, you know if you catch it uh, I guess early enough or if you uh, kind of suspect that they're having some adrenal issues you can really make a difference with some life, lifestyle alterations and that's one big thing we preach at uh, in with our athletes at Carolina Performance Training we're we're not just trying to prescribe them uh, exercise programs uh, we're going to try to make sure they're the rest of the, their life and all the other pillars are kind of uh, also aligned with what their goals are. And a lot of it is really working with, with them on their lifestyle. But uh, you know, sometimes you know that you need some other intervention and that's where this TRT comes in. Yeah, man. I mean, people, people work too damn much. There's, there's only so many hours in the day. I, 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 I get it. I get it. I mean, there's business owners I work with that just, it's normal for them to, a good night for them is four hours of sleep, and that's including weekends too. It's that stuff's gonna catch up with you eventually, man. Um, but yeah, that, that was great info. And one thing, just I guess to piggyback off of with you is, you know, what you're talking about. This whole topic, I really can't think of a better example for why it's so important for physical therapists to get to know and I mean have real relationships with the surrounding fitness community. I know that's been 
that's been huge for our business. We thrived off of getting to know all the surrounding coaches and personal trainers in our area. And, you know, most patients that I have, they're, they're going to be open with me and they're going to tell me that they're on hormone replacement because it's, it's in their paperwork. They have to list medications and we have patient confidentiality. We are HIPAA compliant. And, but sometimes for whatever reason they want, they won't tell us. And I have to dig a little deeper when we talk, when we get to the subjective examination part or the eval part, I'm sorry. And I guess that's one benefit of being one-on-one for an hour is because you really can't get deeper into the conversations. And sometimes you just know, uh, or you suspect, I should say, especially if, if you got a patient or a client, you know, for years and I, you know, 40, 50 year old male, he's not gonna get puberty a second time. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, even with that, though, if you if you have a client, I mean, is everyone open with you? Do you have people you suspect? Um, I mean, like, I mean, what happens if you have somebody that comes in and and let's say that they've been with you for a while and their numbers just shoot up on test week? I mean, are you going to know? Are you going to be able to pick up on that? Or are you just going to assume that's your awesome programming? I mean, what's like? How would you handle that situation? Well, as much as I would love to say that it's just purely through awesome programming, there probably uh, is maybe an extraneous uh, you know, factor in there. Uh, but no, I, it's one of those things, sometimes you have to ask the hard questions, but if, that, if you're going to be you know, trying to help this athlete reach whatever their goals are, and again, a lot of all of our athletes are high-level athletes, so uh, I think there's, there might be a little bit of a different situation if it's a really high level athlete versus you know someone whose their goals are body composition and being able to to pick up their kids um so i think yes you can see sometimes a maybe a improvement that you weren't expecting uh but you know again that's that's one of those things that hopefully you you know i can develop that relationship to where that conversation could happen and i've i've had times where you know, i'm the one that maybe mentions something like that uh to them that's always you know, you like to say it's not an awkward conversation, but sometimes it can be. So, um, you know, I, you know, if I think it's necessary to, to, you know, address that, then, you know, I, I will maybe, you know, ask something about them. Usually I'll, uh, uh, this is not, you know, initially it's after developing that relationship. Um, but uh, you know, most of the time I've been pretty lucky. My, I've had, uh, you know, I, I feel like I have uh, a great relationship with, with my athletes. Uh, you know, I like to think so. And they, I think they can see how much effort I put into them. Just I'm sure your your patients can see, and I know your patients can see this because I got to spend eight weeks with you. Uh, see the the effort and the true uh, you know the you know the true you know care that you have and and vested interest you have in them getting better. It's the same. I, my, I feel like my athletes can see that as well. And so they're mm-hmm. you know my athletes are pretty open about everything. Sometimes too open about things to tell you the truth. <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know, there, there usually isn't an issue. Um, but I can, I'm sure that that is a problem for some people out there. Yes, yeah, that's, that's good, man. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, like it's going to get better with time. I think people are still, obviously, for, for good reasons, very private about this information. But um, you know, I think, I think as time goes on, this this topic is going to be less taboo just because more and more people are getting on it. Uh, it seems like over time, I mean, it's skyrocketed for me in my case over the past couple of years. Like I said earlier, um, that's good stuff, man. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about rehab. So I mentioned earlier that most people come to see me for tendinopathies. I know you and I have talked about it before with uh, this year's CrossFit Regionals. Yeah. Uh, there was 30 pec tears, and suspect maybe one of the reasons is that people are on drugs, uh, but possibly just because of crappy programming or just not being prepared for the workouts. People um, 
weren't doing dips, ring dips, maybe bench pressing their training, that kind of thing, weren't ready for it. Um, anyways, you know, as far as rehab goes, I have I have yet to see a rupture from what I think is a correlation of TRT, but I do see a lot of tendinopathies, and most of them are going to be proximal and distal biceps or pec major tendons. And from my standpoint, we have to treat mostly based off of tissue healing phases. Now, depending on what you read, kind of journals that you study, the timeline is going to differ, but we know that the inflammatory phase is very brief. We're talking as little as 24 hours. So that, that tendonitis is the most overused term in the medical community, in my opinion. Um, but most people aren't seeing me during this phase, first 24 hours. First 24 hours, I don't blame them because I waited out if I had an injury a day or two myself to see what was going on. But uh, most people are coming to see me a little bit after that during the reparative phase, which is going to be the first four to six weeks, more like six, we're talking tendons. And during that phase, the first thing I'm going to do is try to pull out the pain. So I get a true assessment of where the injury is and how much force production they have. And that's going to give me some kind of indicator of severity. And we use some kind of manual therapy, maybe some kind of dry needle or soft tissue mobilization. And depending on how irritable it is, I'm usually going to start with submaximal isometrics. And isometrics are it's, it's a very powerful and underrated analgesia modality in my opinion um it, it has it's it, that's backed up by the, by the literature too you can really influence someone's pain by just isometric loading um but even during that phase i'm quickly thinking about how can i get to an eccentric protocol or heavy slow resistance protocol um both of those protocols are commitments whichever one you subscribe to i prefer the eccentric protocol because i like the higher volume i think that it makes sense from a tissue standpoint but again they're both good um but the key is that if tendons are going to heal they have to be loaded properly and the reason why is because tensile load particularly in a lengthened position stimulates fibroblasts the fibroblasts are the cells in your connective tissue that produce collagen and it's particularly the type 1 collagen. That's what your tendons are most comprised of. So, you know, we're hitting this as soon as possible. And then it's got to be carried out through the remodeling phase, which is 6 to 12 weeks from the injury. And if someone can be compliant with this and subscribe to it, the course of recovery and healing is very predictable. Most people are going to get better. And that's one reason why I love CrossFitters, because they're generally the most compliant out of all the patients I have. They're, you know, you know how it is, man. They're paying 150 a month, and, and they want to be able to use that membership. So, you know, that's another reason why it's good to have a relationship with your coaches because these patients that I have need to also be able to train around the injury as well. I think you touched on that a little bit with what you are saying earlier. Mm-hmm. So that's Josh. Yeah, that's – no, yeah, that's the same thing. That's uh, – yeah. yeah, I didn't know if you wanted me to jump in there. Um, no, that's right. you got to be able to train around it. And um, I kind of go the same, same route from a preventative approach, and I try to incorporate um, – isometrics and uh really eccentric isometrics into a program with that somebody well really all my athletes but definitely somebody that is you know in this population that we're talking about today almost from a preventative standpoint really trying to focus on strengthening the tendon as well uh again monitoring their rate of progression but uh that is a course of action that i think you can take from a preventative standpoint uh we talked about a little bit in the very first podcast we ever did uh, where we're talking about time under tension and how that's important. And I think that in this population, that is never, uh, you know, even more so true because you can use it to hopefully strengthen that tendon, but also, uh, you know, slowing down the rep in general while you're doing this, this type of activity, you know, hopefully will prevent some incidences of that rupturing. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Well, um, 
let's have a little fun here, man. Let's 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 go a little beyond TRT and let's talk about PEDs and sports. I kind of want to piggyback off of what we talked about with the the CrossFitters at regional. So. I've got this. I got this unpopular opinion amongst my colleagues that if you pick any sport, pretty much everyone at the top is on some sort of PED, whether it's prescribed or black market. What do you think, man? Am I, am I justified in that? Think everyone's on drugs? Yeah, that, that's that's a million dollar question, isn't it? I think that I, I think it'd be naive to to not say that it's a big part, especially at the top. I always hesitate to say to speak in any kind of absolutes on on yeah, it's probably everybody or it's this you know this much of a percentage i definitely think it's a problem and i think that uh not really a problem i definitely think it's prevalent um it depends on your views of peds on whether it's a problem or not uh but i I think you're right i think that includes people don't want to hear it but i think that includes the sport of fitness includes crossfit um you know it's in olympic weightlifting because we see every year all these uh you know lists of people who failed drug tests or you know whole countries hold out for meats because they know they're not going to be able to pass um, Russia, yeah, yeah, uh, Russia. But um, <laughs> so I think you know if you if you can see that it's you know prevalent in these other sports, I think it's kind of naive to think it's not in your sport or this in this case CrossFit specifically. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking at the very top, it, it's probably a big part of it, man. Um, I never I never point out a specific athlete or anything, but I think every coach probably has some suspicions. Yeah, well, not point, not point of specific athlete, man, but I, I know the curtain pulled back for me when it finally came out of Lance Armstrong had been doping basically his whole career. Yeah. You remember back in the day? That was, was, man. that was like the one person, if you were a, uh, you know, like a quote-unquote purist or whatever, or very anti-doping, like that was the one person you could hold on to. And, oh, yeah. And then he's his just uh, fell off. <laughs> yeah, man, he, he's American. Do you remember he, he overcame cancer? He had all the inspirational quotes. I had one of those stupid lift strong bracelets. Yeah, I, do you have one of those back in the day? I had one for a long time, man. Even after <laughs> I, I, probably, I, probably I probably still have one if Lance Armstrong it wasn't his organization, but... But the, the reason why he's such a villain is not because he was doping. It's because that not only would he deny people that accused him, but he doubled down. He sued all his accusers, man. Like, put some out on the street. So it, it's because the cover-up source in the crime. Yeah. And I guess I guess it all came out, man. He had a higher juice concentrate than Tropicana. But, it, dude, that's – I mean, that, that, that ruined it for me. Um, ever since then, man, I just suspected everyone at the top was doping. But I got an even more unpopular opinion that – and this is just me, but I think if you if you truly want to level playing field in sports, you have to get rid of drug testing altogether. <laughs> that is one way to do it, man. If you let everybody do everything, then you really do have a level playing field. Um, yeah, uh, it's, that, yeah, that man. It's, 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 it's become a game. Who can beat the test? Oh yeah, it, and there, and those people that help you beat tests can you know that's a, a profitable field in itself. Uh, you know, chemists are some of the uh, the <laughs> highest paid uh, people of, uh, in sports. <laughs> Yeah, no, no doubt, doubt, man. And I mean, another part of that too is I'm a fan, man. I'm a spectator. I want to see a spectacle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to yeah, say yeah. it wasn't fun watching you know Bonds and Sosa and McGuire hit 500 plus foot home runs every night. Oh, dude, yeah, the home run chase. Baseball's never been more exciting to watch, man. That probably saved baseball, to be honest. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, man, I'm probably gonna catch some crap for that, but that's I mean that's just that, that's real. That's, how, that's my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not wrong. If you want to truly level the playing field, you just remove restrictions, man. Awesome, man. Well, um, yeah, covered some good stuff, man. Talked about uh, TRT, a little bit about what it is. Talked about it from training implications, rehab standpoint. Got to throw a couple jabs at Lance Armstrong. So that's a that's a pretty solid podcast there. Yeah, man, and that's one I, I completely agree, and I think it. Hopefully, our, our listeners. 
can take away from it that if you might be somebody who you know is you know part of the population we were talking about, if you have questions on training or if you if you got a nagging injury, uh, you know don't hesitate to reach out. That's it's what we do, so um, we're happy to help. But uh, yeah, man, I think it was a good one. Yeah, for sure, for sure. sure. All, all right, well, well uh, that's, that's, that's all, guys. Yeah, till next time. All right, we'll see you. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.